Wow, Tamara, uh, this uh, gives me some hope. What about you? Well, yes, actually, I am. Uh, honestly, I'm shivering because this is something really, really um, great to hear. But let me tell you one thing. Uh, my husband has a master's degree from Netherlands in international law, and mm. he speaks two languages. He speaks French uh, fluently and he speaks English fluently. And he is really, really good at what he's doing. As far as the job, uh, and uh, this is something I ask a lot of people about it, even if he got approved for a job or he got a job here, he won't be uh, uh, granted the uh, visa, uh, the employment visa, because I am here. So that that's, is one of the things that's what's been that, told because of the Emiratis said that to him in UAE. No, 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 or no. That is the U.S. The U.S. government. That's the U.S. government. And I, I ask a lot of people about that. I ask a lot of lawyers. They said mm. to me, as long as I am here with an asylum, with a pending asylum case, my husband won't be able to get any form of visa until my asylum case is decided. Talk. Just talk. Because that's what we do here, friends. Malcolm Out Loud Talk. Welcome to the show. I have an incredibly powerful story today for you, following up on a young lady I had on my show about a year ago. Tamara Al-Bayati joins me again, and we've got an interesting story and, and a bit of a dilemma I want to get in with you today on. And So this is going to be three very unique pieces to today's show. Uh, Tamara is on now with me. We will begin, and we're going to discover her journey and where we sit and what the problems really are with how she's trying to get uh, asylum, if you will, and get uh, protection in the United States. She has, again, a young daughter who was born in America. We'll talk more about that in just a moment as we get into her story. Joining me after that is Jennifer Breeden. She's an attorney specializing in international criminal law and foreign policy, specifically in the Middle East. And then still we have on the show today, IQ Al-Razuli joins me. He's the Iraqi-born Arabic speaker, considered one of the foremost authorities in the world on the subjects of Islam. Very special production, a powerful show uh, Tamara, let's take your show. You were born in Baghdad in 1976, so you and IQ have something in common because you were both born in Baghdad, yes? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Now, you came to the United States, as I understand here, about a year ago, and I think it was around April 2016, as I understand it, yeah? Uh, it's April 2nd, actually. Yeah, 2016. Okay. Yes. So April it's second. relatively new, and you were here. Now, explain to me. You initially arrive in this country. Let's tell folks why you arrived here. Uh, was you pregnant at the time that you arrived here in the states? Uh, no, actually, I already had my baby a um, 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 couple years ago. I came to the United States and had her here. Because um, looking at my situation and my husband's situation, we thought the better thing we do to our child is to have 
um, have her a, a strong um, nationality that can protect her in the future if, if anything happened. Um, I, I wasn't pregnant at that time, but I was with my daughters. So I came in um, April 2nd, 2016, with my daughter arrived at uh, Florida. So I didn't realize that. So you're, we know your daughter is, is considered an American young lady, right? I mean, she was born here. Where, yes. Where was she born in the States? Where exactly? Uh, in uh, Florida, uh, Winter Park Hospital. I see. Okay, so she was born here, and you were here at that time with your husband, yes? Uh, when I had her, yes. He came, stayed with me for like a, a month, and then I had to go back uh, to the Middle East because, um, unfortunately, I had a postpartum depression, and um, I, I wanted to go back because the main thing for us to do is to have the daughter here and then we had to um i mean resume our family like any other family so that was the purpose of that trip at that time when you were here is to have your daughter in safe haven if you will yes and so you've got that much accomplished now interestingly enough when we talk about when we say the middle east let's tell folks you and your husband were in dubai is that correct uh yes okay and how long had you been in dubai um, um, three years, almost three years. Okay. So now you were in Dubai and you didn't want to have your daughter in Dubai, but there's a whole underlying story here going on. And let's tell folks right up front here. One of the big stories in all of this was, which I had covered previously with you about over a year ago here is your conversion, uh, from a Muslim and from Islam to Christianity. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. And and that happened when you were in Dubai for those three years. Did that happen before then, during that, or after that, Tamara? Uh, the conversion happened before that, years before that. Okay, fine. So so now you're in, in, you were in Dubai. Your husband has a job. He works in Dubai, yes? Yes. Okay. And is that what initially brought you to Dubai, or was it to create, again, safe haven out of the Iraqi area? What was it? Uh, well, no, it was not um, um, a safe haven for us. Of course, not not any of uh, the Muslim countries is a safe haven for people like me. But uh, we used to live in Kuwait, where I met my husband the uh, first time. And the company that he works, uh, he works for, uh, they decided to move their head office to Dubai. I see. So because he is one of the key people in that company, they wanted to move him with the company. So that's why we moved. I see. So very interesting. So so he uh, the, so it was a relocation of the corporate of the corporation of the company. Correct. As to how you ended in Dubai and he was making a living and so on. OK, cool. All right. So now you're in Dubai. Uh, things are going along. You're pregnant. You decide you're not going to have the baby. You were already converted to Christian from Muslim. But this had to be top secret. Yes. Oh, yes, of course. (laughs) Because and a lot of people have to understand it. Again, if you want to understand the full story, go back and look at the earlier story I did over a year ago with Tamara. And it's called Muslim to Christianity is a death sentence. The Tamara El Bayati story. And again, we'll get more into this later in the show, friends, when we have IQ Al Razuli on, who's an expert in these matters. And we'll discuss more why that's so important and why Tamara felt that her life was at risk why she was taking such necessary steps to protect herself. 
Uh, there's a lot to learn here from this story, and there's a lot of misnomers out there in the public space and in the media news cycle. You agree with that, Tamara? I do, yes. And so our job here is to clear all this up, but also to tell this very unique story of Tamara El-Bayadi, her husband and their young daughter, who are just really regular people trying to have a normal life and trying to create uh, uh, safety and prosperity for their family. Uh, now, your husband is a Christian as well. Is that correct? Uh, he is. He's okay. born a Christian. Okay. So he's born a Christian. You had married him, which that in itself would be a problem in the tradition of Muslim, uh, correct? Oh, yes. Yeah. And then you converting is another problem. And then your daughter on top of that is another problem. So you've got, there's all kinds of complications here, right? Correct. Yeah. That, that really uh, cause you harm and your safety, security, protection of your family are all at risk now. So, all right. You are now, so you decide, you and your husband, that you're not going to have this child in Dubai. You did not want to have this child in Iraq. You did not want to have this child in the Middle East. So you decide to come to the United States of America. Specifically, you end up in the state of Florida on the East Coast there, and you decide to have the baby. How did you initially come here? You had a passport, and did you just book a trip, or how did that all happen? Well, I had, I was um, still having my Iraqi passport valid and I had a visa at that time. So um, I, I just booked a flight and I came here and had the baby. It was, it was an easy thing to do actually at that time. It, it was easy at that time. Yes. Okay. yes. And, and that was uh, about, your, how old is your young daughter now? She's two and a half. Two, I thought around there. Okay. So this is mm -hmm. only two and a half years ago we're talking. Yes. Okay. All right. And then a year ago, you and I reported on this story. So now we have some problems, though. So now where the story really takes a twist is you haven't seen your husband in how long? Uh, ten months now. Ten months. And at this moment of time, from what I understand from you, you're not able to see him and he's not able to see you. You have no connection other than technology to talk on the phone. Is that correct? That's correct. Now, let's get into why that is and what the dilemma is. And what you're trying to do now that you're here, you have a young daughter who is, again, American-born now, specifically, has a birth certificate here in America. You yourself are trying to get proper asylum. But let, let's bring folks up to date with what's happened to all of your credentials, what's happened to your husband's credentials, why can't you travel, or can you, and why can't he? Why can't you, first of all? What's the problem? Well, I cannot travel because filing for asylum, it means that I have a credible fear to go back to the Middle East. That's number one. Number two, my passport has expired uh, in uh, October 2016. So I don't have any um, um, uh, proper travel document to travel outside the United States. So, so to hold see on. My so, you're, you, so you're sort of in a kind of a purgatory mode, I would call it. You can't, mm -hmm. you, you can't, you, you don't have a passport anymore. Your passport expired. It was an Iraqi passport. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's expired and you're not going to get another one from them, are you? Oh, no, I cannot. No. no. They wouldn't, they would give you more of a death certificate, wouldn't they? Not a passport certificate. Well, well, uh, well, they are going to give it to my husband because I won't be there to take it, of course. Right. So, but, but you're, at, you're at high risk there is what I'm saying uh, with your safety of your life, obviously. So you can't go back to Iraq. 
I cannot go back to Iraq. I cannot back to the Middle East. I cannot even go to the Iraqi embassy anywhere in the world. Now, now you have, as I understand it, you have family members, specific family members, cousins and others who are looking for you because they want to see death to you. Is that correct? Yes. Now, let's pause there a moment and tell folks that that sounds like an extreme statement. I mean, as far as American families go, we would never know what that meant. I mean, that would be completely illegal. That would be against the law. That person would be charged and uh, for, you know, a, a potential murder. And yet this is pretty normal business in that world, Tamara, is it? That is a normal thing in, in the Middle East and especially in Iraq, because for my family, I committed more than one crime for their, uh, you know, uh, according to them, I committed more than one crime. The first one is that I converted to be a Christian. And the second one is that I married a, a Christian man without their consent. And, and the sentence to all of that, they believe, is, is death. Oh, yes, of course, because death is the only way they can bring back uh, the honor to the family because I brought shame to the family by doing that. So now you can't travel. Uh, your husband, why can't he travel? Well, my husband has a, a visit visa and uh, he, he was able to come. He visited us. Um, um, like four times when I first came back to um, Florida in 2016. But unfortunately, his visit visa expired like any other visa. So um, and he tried to renew it for four times. But unfortunately, it was denied. Now, why can't he renew it? Why are they denying that? Well, um, the real reason that I don't know why, but the, the, anytime he goes there, they tell him that th these are the regulations. You cannot travel to the United States and uh, you have a family member that filed for asylum. I don't know the, the real reason why they denied him. The visa. You mean they tell him that he has a family who filed, he has a family member who filed for asylum. They tell him that? Yes, yes, they I do. I see. So they're well aware of you and your case, and they don't want him traveling here. Yes. I see. I see. Is he is he in fear of his own life there now, or is he at risk? Or well, as as long as I'm not in the picture, he is. Um, let me say, fifty percent safe. I see. But so not not totally. No. No. And, and are you in fear that when you talk to him, that your phone calls and communications are being? Uh, listened in or uh, traced? Is that a problem for you? Well, sometimes, yes, I do, honestly. But because I really trust the Lord is going to help us and because I need to see him like every day, that's why I try to um, speak to him. But we keep it very short sometimes, you know. I see. I see. Okay. And do you do Skype calls and that kind of thing so he can see your daughter, his daughter? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, we do. I yes, see. we do. So naturally, with communications, you sort of try to stay in touch that way. But again, 10 months, you haven't seen him. He hasn't seen your daughter. Uh, a lot has happened. Now, so what we're going to do here is I'm going to bring on next the immigration attorney, uh, Jennifer Breeden. We're going to try to I want to try to troubleshoot some of this. Uh, with you, with me, and her, and see what we can understand about the regulations here tomorrow, okay? Okay. Uh, what can we possibly do? Where, where's this story? We know where the story is at now, 
But how do we move this forward? Is there any hope for you? Where do we find that hope? And we're going to pick that up just ahead, friends. It is a very unique story. Uh, And one, I I think there's a lot of lessons here that we can all learn from. But I think, as you can hear from Tamara, she is about as genuine and real and authentic as anyone that you have met in your life. Uh, This beautiful young woman with a young daughter who's trying to do what any of you out there would do which is to save her family and to find safety and security in all of that. How does she get there if the system is working against her? And there is a system here, make no mistake about it. What's not lost on me and what is consistently not lost is the impact of human lives, the impact that this has on real people. It's something we need to discuss more in this country, something we need to understand what the ramifications are. Listen, I believe, and we believe at America Out Loud, that every human life is of great value. Let me make no mistake about it, every human life. And I just believe that is where the conversation needs to start. We're going to pick it up right there, friends, just after this quick pause. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. With 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Okay, well, as you've listened now to the Tamara El Bayadi story up front in our earlier segment, you can see the dilemma that she's in with her husband in Dubai and she's here in the States and all of the different pieces to this very unique story. I have joining me on the show a, a friend of the network in America Out Loud, Jennifer Breeden. And let me tell you quickly about Jennifer. She's an attorney specializing in international criminal law and foreign policy, specifically in the Middle East. She's a government consultant in issues of protecting human rights and provides legal analysis for areas, well, such as international law, human rights, and religious extremism. She's the perfect one for this conversation here today. Jennifer, hi. It's great to be on with you, Malcolm. It's great. I'd like you to meet Tamara El Bayati. And what I'd like to do here with both of you here, I want to sort of peel the onion, Jennifer. And what I'm going to go, our audience has heard some of the more Uh, interesting parts of this story already about Tamara. But let me explain some of the pieces and what I understand, and then I'm going to have Tamara chime in, and we'll just sort of peel this onion a little bit. And and let's, what I want to do here is look at this from a human rights standpoint as well as the legalities of what we can and can't do, and where the hope might be for this young lady with a family. So, Her and her husband were in Dubai for about three years, Jennifer. Her husband works in Dubai. He has a career there. And they were pregnant, and she literally came to the United States uh, for her baby, to have her baby, uh, which was two and a half years ago. And the reason for that was to create safe haven for her daughter to be an American citizen. Is that correct, Tamara? 
Yes, that's correct. Because they did not trust, because there's a whole story behind this. Her husband is a Christian, born Christian, okay? Where was he he born? What part of the world specifically, Tamara? Uh, He was born in Lebanon. Okay, all right. So he is a Christian, uh, and then uh, Tamara is uh, converted from Islam to Christianity, and I don't have to tell you anymore, Mm -hmm. Jennifer, what that means exactly, Mm -hmm. okay? She literally, and we ended the last segment here, Jennifer, there are family members looking for her, cousins and family members, intimate family members that clearly want her dead, that she's disgraced Mm -hmm. the family name. And so she cannot travel. Her life is in danger. Um, She is in the States here. Her husband is in Dubai. He's unable to travel. Uh, her, Her passport has expired. She has an Iraqi passport that has expired. And you can imagine in your mind that there's no way she can travel to anywhere near that area because she would not make it to second base. I mean, they her life is in jeopardy, you know. So she's got this young daughter here who's now two and a half years old, who's considered an American citizen. And as I understand it, Tamara, I'd like you to pick up the story there. Tamara, as I understand it, you contacted Senator Marco Rubio's office not too long ago, and you were trying to get uh, this thing pushed forward because I understand from the Miami office there's about almost a four-year wait to seek Mm -hmm. asylum uh, with the fact that you are in danger. Can you pick the story up from there for us and tell us what has happened with that call to the Rubio office, please? Yes, of course. Well, I got in contact with Senator Rubio's office um, around, um, um, sorry, around July, and I was uh, trying to uh, find a way to help my husband get a visa again, because as I told you, his visa expired, the B2 visa expired. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to get somebody to help me. I'm, I'm really trying to do anything just to get my husband here, just to see him for a couple of weeks every every now and then. So um, I... And, contact- and stop there, Tamara. And you were doing that for a while. Let's remind folks, and let's tell mm-hmm. Jennifer as well, that you were doing that. Your husband was coming here and as a, as a visitor with that visa, no problem, right? Going back to his career, coming back. That had happened several times, correct? Yes, correct, because he has to go back there, Malcolm. He's a very responsible person where he's working right now. He's but you an haven't attorney. seen you ha- he's an attorney? Yes, he is. He is. Oh, I didn't he know is that. The head, In Dubai. He, he mm-hmm. is the head of the legal department uh, at the company where, he, where he's working. I'll be damned. I didn't realize he was an attorney himself. Now, <laughs> now, now, but this, you haven't seen him in 10 months. Yes. Okay, go ahead. What happened with Rubio's office? Uh, well, they, they said that they cannot help, but they will try to get me an expedite for my case. And I, I tried to tell them that I already tried that with my lawyer, but with no luck because I got denied for the expedite request um, because I don't fall into the two categories that the expedite should be taken or considered for. What are those two categories? So it is either uh, death or um, um, kind of, of some kind of sickness, like an, an untreatable sickness. De- de- death or extreme mm-hmm. sickness. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Okay. Right. So uh, it was denied. So I told these uh, Senator Rubio's office that if they can only uh, help my husband to get a, a visa, I don't want to expedite my case because I know the system has a time limit and it has to go through the system, which I am I am totally fine with it. 
But now that uh, my husband's visa is expired, I am really trying to do anything just to have him here from time to time. Right, right. So, so now you've exhausted that particular way. You're on a four-year wait. Now, Jennifer, let me have you chime in at this point, please, in your brilliancy and tell us, um, with everything you've heard with this case, how unusual is this case or how, how normal is this case to you? I mean, I know you've seen a lot of different cases and stuff, and what can we do about it? Well, first of all, can I just say tomorrow my heart is with you. My prayers are with you. I am so sorry that you have gone through this ordeal. I, I, I can't even imagine. I think every case is unique in its own right. But what is common is, as you said, as Tamara said herself, that it's, it's, uh, the system is um, it's pretty crazy right now. I think Rubio's office, if anyone knows that, but unfortunately, even in Rubio's office, and I've known this personally, being having been born and raised in Miami, um, that you know, not every person that works for a congressman is uh, is, a, is an attorney or an immigration attorney or knows anything about that. So mm-hmm. a lot of times these calls just sort of go to the bottom of the pile and you have an assistant that's maybe 22 years old that likes government work that is the one answering your questions. So as far as what they told you, I don't think that is your only option, that um, they, they can't do anything and that's the only thing. When it comes to um, immigration law, when I've done these cases, especially for, for human rights, for people such as yourself, whose lives would be whose life would be in danger to go back um, there's always many many other options within the immigration system but it does take knowledge of the immigration system and the laws um, there are other options you know obviously that's something that I hope you and I can talk about in person so I I was just making some notes here to myself and in my head uh, hearing your story how brave uh, you are first of all to be um, to be a, a Muslim convert to Christianity I know that your family, um, and likely anybody else who knows you would consider you an apostate. And uh, that's the worst. It's the most dangerous position you can be in. So um, there are some really, really good laws there in place to protect you. As far as your husband's visa, um, it might be uh, there are so, there are other options. And again, this isn't something I would say go on and do. I'd like to talk to you more about this. But um, I'd like to consider alternatives to gaining your citizenship beyond asylum. Because right now we know that with the refugee influx and everything else, with the numbers being diminished, asylum cases generally go under um, the refugee numbers. So there are other options. You have been here. Um, I'm sure that you have uh, you haven't really been. I'm, I'm not sure if your husband is a corporate attorney working in Dubai. I'm sure that you're well taken care of financially. So you've been able to support yourself and your child. Um, this is uh, that's that's good. Those are all good things. And so we can look at alternative ways to gain perhaps temporary or permanent U.S. citizenship or at least a green card status, which would then further your husband's case once you gain that status to say, this is what my husband needs, rather than somebody who holds an Iraqi passport. If there has been an, uh, uh, somebody trying to seek asylum, you know, he still has this job there. Obviously, they have enough corporate power there where they don't really listen much to the government. So it's, it seems like he still has his job. But no, if he wants to, if her husband, um, tomorrow, if your husband wants to remain there at his job there, which I would understand they have, you know, great economy, but if he wants to remain there within the country, um, 
that is going to be an issue because, you know, they, they have a good employee there and he's got uh, a wife that's uh, seeking asylum in the United States, which is going to cause questions with the U.S. So it's more often that they it's more likely that they probably don't want to get in the middle of a U.S. State Department or a U.S. government, you know, issue of, hey, what is this asylum case here? There's evidence she's being persecuted, that she's in danger. So it would either be having to frame it as it's her family members. It's not Emiratis. You know, they, they don't want to paint their government in a bad light. But yes, it is true. They're probably not going to do that unless you unless we take this a, a different route and try to find a different method. And it, of course, this depends, you know, as it, I'm just hearing um, a lot of these details now, but it right. does also depend on what uh, your husband might want down the road. You know, if he would uh, like right. to see if there could be a transfer to the U.S., something like I that. I want to ask but, that next. Let, let's, mm-hmm. Let me ask that to Tamara because that's exactly where my mind was, Jennifer. And, and Tamara, I don't know if I've asked her this previously, but it, 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 and I might have, but is he looking for permanent status eventually in the United States or is he looking to stay in Dubai and just travel here for a holiday to see you? Or what's the, what's the future outcome of this? Uh, well, for now, he has to stay at the top of his job because we need a financial support support for, for the time being. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. once I am um, um, approved for asylum or any uh, legal status here, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. he will he will definitely come because no one wants to live away from their family, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we want to be a family, and that's why... That's the main reason why uh, we uh, had to come here. We had no choice to get together but to separate so for tomorrow, a little bit. So looking mm-hmm. ahead, then, mm-hmm. years from now, tomorrow, years from now, it's safe to say that you envision then that your husband is here and you're a happy family living in the States here. Is that correct? That, that is tr- true, yes. I see. So, that, that so I just true. want to raise that point back with Jennifer and myself and our listeners that that is the ultimate goal, right? Yes, okay, that right. is. So having said that, now, Jennifer, you said some interesting things. You gave me a glimmer of hope there. You actually started to make me feel pretty good. And I love that about you, that you, uh, you're, you're a very persistent person, which is what I love about you, is uh, you don't take, you're like my kind of style because you don't take no for an answer either. <laughs> so, and you start, <laughs> that is true. You start, true. I know that's what I love about you. You started thinking. Makes me a right lot of enemies. But <laughs> well, it's what we love here in the out loud community, love, is you started okay. thinking right away about other alternatives for citizenship, whether it be a green card or another form of citizenship. You believe that this is really possible, Jennifer? I do. And not just that. I mean, as we're talking about some of these things, you know, there in terms of other options, um, of course, I think there's always hope. That's one of the reasons I love studying law and that I love being able to practice law. There's always hope. It's just a matter of knowing how to read these laws. Now, another thing is you're, you're mentioning tomorrow that your husband is at the top of his game but this, as a corporate attorney there. That gives him a very unique specialization, having knowledge of the Middle East, likely um, knowledge of the Arabic language, something else, as well as English, I'm sure, because your English is very good. Um, and so there are, there are also business visas that are very, um, they're hard to come by. And if your husband, I'm sure, is making good money, there are companies here that are specific specifically looking for corporate international corporate attorneys with a specialized experience that can speak languages that most Americans can't. And that's a specialization that could put him in a top tier. So not even going through the family system or having to worry about that. Now, of course, needing a Dubai or needing a UAE passport. I mean, that might not be as tough because if you get another international company involved, you might just be able to get him here between two companies if he can start looking for um, opportunities with international corporate law firms. Wow. Wow. Tamara, uh, this uh, gives me some hope. What about you? 
Well, yes, actually, I am. Uh, honestly, I'm shivering because this is something really, really um, great to hear. But let me tell you one thing. Uh, my husband has a mm. master's degree from Netherlands in international law, and mm. he speaks two languages. He speaks French uh, fluently and he speaks English fluently. And he is really, really good at what he's doing. As far as the job, uh, and uh, this is something I ask a lot of people about it, even if he got approved for a job or he got a job here, he won't be uh, granted the uh, visa, uh, the employment visa, because I am here. So that That's, is one of the things that's what's been that, told because of the Emiratis said that to him in UAE? No, 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 or no. That is the U.S. The U.S. government. That's the U.S. government. And I, I ask a lot of people about that. I ask a lot of lawyers. They said hmm. to me, as long as I am here with an asylum, with a pending asylum case, my husband won't be able to get any form of visa until my asylum case is decided. So I've, I, I've known cases, that's a general rule, but I have known cases where there's an exception to that. It's just a matter of how you word it and write it up. So I wonder how many of these people, because I have seen instances and cases, and again, it depends on which immigration court you go to sometimes or which, which, uh, which people you're talking to, how much experience they have. But I have seen cases where you can um, where you can word it differently and look at your status, specifically if you have this pending case, um, you never you can always change that status for yourself. And so there are many, many different options. Uh, like I'm saying, I don't think the asylum thing would be uh, forever. It is something that we can we can shift or you could go to um, you could go to certain immigration courts where this is and try to shift your status and state that. Um, you know, this is the situation. This is where I am now. I've now been self-sustaining and trying to go a different route. So I have um, that is a general rule. But again, there are always exceptions. And so it would be a matter of that. Plus, um, once you got two companies involved, you would have, you know, unlimited funding from companies, whatever a firm, if, if that happened, if a firm wanted him to fix your status and to help you with that, um, or you would, I would suggest you get, you know, your own attorney, but, but just somebody to, that knows the immigration courts, is licensed in federal immigration courts, and that knows exactly how certain immigration courts rule. Because even though they're all under the same body of immigration law in the United States, every single immigration court has different judges. We're all different human beings. And so it's knowing exactly which uh, which immigration courts are best. For example, there's an immigration court in downtown Atlanta in Georgia, and I, I believe 99% of asylum cases are just rejected for no reason. So, so much so that there are nonprofits, you know, going up against them. So, you know, knowing somebody that knows which courts are going to be more friendly to asylum cases or to changing that status um, because of that. So that, that's another fact you can learn. But I, I do promise there is hope, even if you haven't been told that. I think, um, I think there are other options and alternatives and cases that I've seen where exceptions have um, have happened just based on the facts. Well, I want to kiss you now, Jennifer, honestly. Oh, because, I would love that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't know how much burden this is putting on me. Oh, God, I know. Yeah. I can't imagine. I, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. But, you know, it's been 10 months now. I'm holding up together because... I don't want to. I don't want anything to happen to me because who's gonna take care of my child if I am 
fall ill or something like that, you know. So I'm trying yes. to hold on myself altogether because, and honestly, hearing this gives me a lot of hope. Thank mm. you. Tamara, of you're, course, of you're course, a very yeah. brave, brave woman. And, you, you know, uh, i got to tell you, Jennifer, you you see when I call her, I, I see the pictures of her young daughter and how beautiful she is and her family. And, you know, I, I first spoke to Tamara. She was introduced to me, Jennifer, about well over a year ago, year and a half ago, actually, from a, a pastor in a church who wanted me to help her get her story out there. And I did a talk with her some time ago about her story, about her conversion from Muslim to Christianity, because a lot of Americans don't understand how, how uh, critical that story is, you see. You know, mm-hmm. they don't understand. No. We take things for granted here that people just don't. We, have, do. we They have no idea to assume that it really is like that out there. You know, you, you oh, know, it is. Jennifer, there's so many misnomers and misinformation out there. So my objective was to bring the story to light. Now, when Tamara reached out to me recently and said, Malcolm, I need your help. I felt her. I felt her passion. And she, she called me and she just called me. I was so surprised to get this call out of the blue. And I felt compelled to do this special story. And then knowing you, Jennifer, and what a, a brave, strong woman you are, I thought we got to get you involved in this. So what I'm going to do with your permission, uh, after we're done here with all of this, I'd like to connect tomorrow you with Jennifer off the, uh, on the side here, okay? Uh, okay. Tomorrow, so you can communicate with her and talk about these things and see what, you know, we've just talked about some real possibilities here. And I know Jennifer to be of high caliber, and I know that she would not say that if she didn't feel that. And I, I think we need to pursue this and get you the help you need to get this status changed or get a new status so you can start to change the whole uh, trajectory here, you know, of this. Yeah. You agree? Tamara, you agree with that? Yes, I do. I do. Yes, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So good. So we will good. do that just ahead. So let me remind folks here about Jennifer again, uh, that uh, her she's got a very unique website with a lot of great stories. She's a prolific writer. Uh, she's a very passionate young lady. JenniferBreeden.com. Uh, you'll see the links all in America Out Loud as well. Jennifer's been on before with me. She's been in Kurdistan really covering the Kurd situation there in the Peshmerga. We're going to do a feature story on this just ahead again. And uh, there's a whole lot going on here. And as Jennifer gets more involved with our platform, We're excited to have her involved in America Out Loud. Friends, stay right there. Pause. And we're bringing Tamara back here in, uh, well, we're bringing Tamara back today. (laughs) How's that? In just a moment here, as we continue on with the conversation, IQ Al Razuli joins us. We're going to continue this conversation with her in just a moment. Stay right there. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health. Sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. Award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. 
the Out Loud Perspective awaits you in life, love, politics, a healthy lifestyle, your faith, personal development, and living an out loud life on AmericaOutloud.com. Glitcher News and Entertainment Network, where you can listen 24-7 on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Tamara El Bayati with me here, and we are talking about her very unique story. I appreciate her story and her forthcomingness here, and also uh, Attorney Jennifer Breeden. And, and you know, hopefully we're going to get to the bottom of a lot of things here. We're going to follow this case, my friends. We're going to continue to follow this, and we're going to try to get Tamara in safe haven here and uh, because it's, uh, it's the right thing to do. I want you to meet here again uh, one of our experts on America Out Loud and a friend of the platform, I.Q. Al Rizzuli. As you know, he's the author of Lifting the Veil. And again, I.Q. was born in Baghdad initially, and that's same where tomorrow was born. So they both have something in common there. And uh, he was uh, born there, considered one of the most uh, foremost authorities in the world on the subjects of Islam. He's got a trilogy out there, Lifting the Veil, The True Faces of Muhammad and Islam. If you read some of IQ's columns and articles back at America Out Loud, you will know that he is about as authentic as a person could be, and he speaks the truth. He's a Christian man who himself is... uh, uh, troubled by a lot of what he sees around in the world today. And I think it's important that we talk and we bring Tamara's story further. Tamara, you uh, were born in Baghdad. You were living in Dubai with your husband. Your husband works as a corporate attorney in Dubai. His passport has expired. He cannot get it renewed. You are here in the States. Now, IQ, just for the record, so you know, her daughter was born in America here two and a half years ago, okay? So they have an American-born daughter, um, both Tamara and her husband do. Uh, obviously, Tamara uh, had a conversion from, uh, from Islam to Christianity uh, some years ago. Uh, her life has uh, been threatened from her family, from her cousins and her family members. She cannot travel anymore, and she is trying to seek asylum in safe haven here in the States, We've just talked about that with a specialized immigration attorney and others. And, but I, I want people to understand still. Tamara, let's yes. start here back with you. And I, I, I want you to speak to folks and IQ so IQ can tell us how serious, Tamara, is this safety against your life? I, I want you to speak to people to understand passionately now. What are the real dangers for you and your life and your daughter's life and husband and your family, if you will? And what do you fear the most at this point? Well, it is a real danger, uh, Malcolm, because um, um, born as a Muslim, being born as a Muslim is not something that you can just, you know, leave and change it like with no consequences in in any um in any muslim country uh being a muslim is a privilege for any muslim uh authority or anything like that so um 
leaving that uh, and um, feeling that you're you're trying to um, make your own decision is not an easy thing to do because once uh, you do it, you will be considered as an, an apostate. An apostate is is um, pretty much a death sentence to anybody who would do it because they consider it that uh, you have um, uh, left the the good part of or, or the good religion to to another um, religion that is not as good as Islam. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. I do. So, so it is. It is real. It it is. It is not an easy thing to do. This uh, can put the whole family in danger, and if if not, uh, if not, um, you know, return back to be a Muslim again, then everything will collapse at any time, at any moment. So uh, it's not an easy thing to do. And I've been, I, I have uh, converted um, almost nine years now. And um, I've been through a lot until this moment today, until I, I actually until I get to the United States, I've been through a lot and I put my husband through a lot, too. But uh, uh, we reached to a point that this is what I reached to a point that this is what I want to do and this is the right thing to do. So um, I can take the responsibility for my actions, but I cannot have my family in danger, especially my daughter and my husband. Well, I know, Tamara, that you are a brave woman. I know that you, uh, and you have risked it all. There's no question. IQ, tell us, when we say apostate, and that and that she is the term that is used out there, the apostate that uh, Tamara would be considered, uh, t- talk to us a moment, brother, and tell us the dangers of that and what that really means, please. In Islam, to leave Islam is punishable by death. It's not negotiable. All the four madahab, that means the divisions of Islam, mandate that anyone who leaves Islam should be executed. And the reason is simple, by the way. Uh, if you remember, we had a talk about a man called Al-Qardawi, Yusuf Al-Qardawi. He is the foremost authority in Sunni Islam. And he had an interview in an Arabic uh, TV station. And the interviewer asked him bluntly, an Arab, of course, a Muslim. He asked him, why is it mandated in the Quran that anybody who leaves Islam should be killed? Al-Qardawi made a statement which was the most incredibly true, truthful statement, but the most destructive of Islam. He said, had it not been mandated in the Quran that anyone who leaves Islam should be executed, there would have been no Islam. Now, please, I want you to understand the magnitude of what I'm telling you. This is the highest authority in Sunni Islam. It doesn't matter whether Sunni or Shia. So Islam exists only through terrors. Muhammad said that in Bukhari Hadith, he gloated, I have been made victorious with terrors. Islam exists only through terror. Wow. And the lady here, Tamar, is in danger, especially, I don't know, are you, Tamar, are you in Europe? Or where are you at the moment? I am in the United States, actually. I'm in Florida. Ah, good, good, good. At least you are in the United States of America. 
Yes, I am. <laughs> she's here, IQ, but what's happening is she's trying to reconnect with her husband. But again, his passport has now expired. They will not renew it. They've tried many times. He's in Dubai, and they will not renew this passport. She, his passport, is he an American citizen? No. Lebanon. Right. Lebanese, yeah. Lebanese. Is he a Muslim? No, oh, no Christian. No. Christian. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's... Well, why should the American government find it difficult to, to refuse, uh, sorry, why do they refuse a Christian and yet they accept Somalis by the tens of thousands who are Muslims? I want to understand that. Tamara, you want to answer that? Well, I, I have no answer, actually, but um, as far as I know, he's been denied visa for more than four times now. Uh, for four times now because I am here, I filed for asylum. So that's why he's been denied to um, renew his visa. Um, but why they are granted uh, um, visas to Somalis, that's something I really don't know about. Yeah, but that's what your lawyer should bring to the attention of whoever it is. Mm-hmm. Why are Muslims having more priority than Christians? That's what I want to understand. By the way, this has been going on not only with Tamara. This has been going on with the State Department for a very long time. They allow more Muslims into the United States of America than Christians who are escaping Islam. It's the the American visa that is expired, and that's what he's trying to Oh, well, then IQ has a point then. So IQ says, why won't they renew it in America? What's the answer to that? You don't know. No, no. If he was talking about the visa, then I don't know why... That's the, the reason they told him uh, at the embassy why he is not being granted visa to travel to the U.S. Well, they're, but, they're saying, hold on, IQ, they're saying to him out there that because he has a family member trying to seek asylum, that they will not renew it. That's the reason they're given, right, Tamara? Yes, that's, that's correct. That's the reason. That's not a logical reason. She has converted to, Christ, to uh, Christianity. Right. She is in danger. And they are putting her husband in danger. Where is the logic? Where is the morality? Where is the justice? It doesn't make sense. I know the State Department is corrupt. I have, I have experienced it. By the way, one time I wanted to come to the States. I've been coming to the States practically 13, 14 times. Okay. And a year ago, they refused to give me an ESTA. And then I contested it. I had to have a, a lawyer in America to contest it. In half an hour, he... He solved the problem in half an hour. Got it. Got it. Well, you bring up, again, as always, a very interesting point. And what you're saying is, hey, wait a minute now. Here they're giving safe haven to all these Muslims. That's a big conversation nationally going on here. It's a very good point you bring up. But what about a Christian who is actually stuck in that area who can't get the visa renewed? Because now, now that sheds more light on it to me. Here I thought it was the passport, it's the visa, and yet that is an American problem. They're not renewing that, uh, clearly. So that is something that could be fixed here uh, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, Malcolm, let me tell you something uh, that um, somebody told my husband that thing, but we honestly don't know how how much, uh, how true that is, that thing is. Uh, well, you know, my husband is a uh, he's a Christian and he's an attorney and he is a very um, good at his job. I have converted to be a Christian and I am here in the United States. What this person told us, told my husband and my husband communicated that with me. He said that 
most of the uh, uh, employees at the uh, um, uh, U.S. consulate around the world, most of them, and I'm sorry I'm going to uh, say it, I, I, I'm just telling, telling you this for you to know, uh, he said that most of these people are Democrats. So rejecting the visa for someone who is an attorney who has a family member filing for asylum on on religious basis is kind of a a catch for these people because maybe this attorney will file a case against the current administration which will make the current administration in a very bad shape in the front of the world hmm. that is i don't know how much that is true but this is what we heard we never spoke about that because we thought that is a very, um, you know, a very deep conspiracy um, theory. And we don't know how true that thing is. But this is what we heard from that person. Well, let me ask IQ. What do you say to that IQ? Uh, this, you know, obviously everything we talk about ends up being political in one shape, form or another. But w what do you say to that? Well, it's not impossible if they are Democrats or leftists. It's not impossible, but that's not an excuse, and that's not justifiable. Her attorney should go somewhere to the news media. You can help in the news media. Well, that's what we're doing right now. That is yeah. exactly what I'm doing, is shining a big light on this, and we're going to push this out there. Hannity, for example, would make a fantastic case out of it. Why are you not allowing Christians escaping destruction, but allowing tens of thousands of Somalis who will never integrate who will never assimilate and who will always be traitors in Latin America. By the way, as you said, I'm blunt. Mm -hmm. I don't use my words. No, I understand. Yeah, that, that is a very interesting point, uh, uh, you know, Tamara, uh, that uh, IQ brings up. And uh, mm -hmm. it gives me great pause again. And it I get very frustrated with the system. I think folks know that. And, and I, I think the injustices that are often, uh, you know, we try to shine a light on, uh, you have to sometimes peel the onion back a couple of layers to find out what's really going on. You have a very unique case. I think IQ uh, really shines some very interesting light on it to me with the fact that, you know, where's the justification of this? How do you justify this? How do you justify holding back a visa to a man, an educated man, who's a Christian, whose life is in jeopardy, whose wife and child is in the States here? How do you, how do you justify that, Right. Right, that's correct. That a hundred percent correct, and that's why um, I got in contact with you because feeling, um, you know, un this is in un injustice for me. Um, I mean, I consider uh, we're a good family, and we really love this country, and we want to contribute to build this country with with other fellow Americans. We have big dreams for ourselves to have it in this country and we want to be a part of of the um you know the bright future of it but when uh when we uh, you know um see things like this happens to us it really makes us wonder are we in the right place are we in the right is it the right time for us i don't know but we're not going to give up on our hopes we're not going to give up on our dreams to, to be here together and to build our life with the society of this great uh, nation. Well said, Tamara. Let me say this. In closing, friends, what I always say to you is the out loud truth. 
And you know, IQ Al Razuli, you hear his out loud truth. You hear the attorney, Jennifer Breeden, on this story. And it gives you pause. And you'll hear Tamara, who's the victim in a lot of this, say, okay, we, we believe we're here for a reason. We want to be, you know, th- really, they are looking for a piece of the American dream. Um, they want to do it properly. They're not looking for welfare or handouts or free rides or other things that people are sometimes accused of wanting. But that's really what America is made up. If, if people, th- this is a classic case of that. Safe haven based on many factors and Christian being a Christian nation should be at the top of that list. So really what we're talking about here is a human rights story. We're talking about a human rights story, and as IQ pointed out, we're talking about the fact that they do it for the other side on a regular basis, and then they call you out to be that you're PC if you go against that. Well, here's one on the flip side of that, but yet where everybody's trying to play by the rules, but the rules keep changing. Something's wrong with this picture, my friends. I want to leave you with that thought right there. I also want to tell you IQ Al Razuli. Again, his trilogy, go check that out. And you find out more about IQ right on America Out Loud. He's an expert there. You'll get the links to his books, or you can go to his site, al-razuli.com. Also, jenniferbreeden.com. We appreciate her specialty and her providing some wisdom, just as IQ did. We're going to continue to follow this story on Tamara El Bayadi. We're going to push this out into the media. We're going to shine a light a spotlight on this story and at the end of the day do the right thing if you want to hear more about Tamara and her story go to America Out Loud and just type in Tamara in the search bar and you'll get Muslim to Christianity is a death sentence the Tamara El Bayati story Hmm. I'm going to leave it right there friends you know it's been an interesting story I'm going to ask you to get involved help us push this out there And let's make this American dream a reality.